Congregation, the text for this morning's our sermon is from 1 Samuel 22, the first five verses. So let us first read carefully, slowly, 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 5. David, therefore, departed thence and escaped to the cave Adelon. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down, thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And were with him about four hundred men. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab. And he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you, till I know what God will do for me. And he brought him before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the old. And the prophet God said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart, and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Hareth. So far, David in the cave and visiting Moab. The theme for this morning David in the cave and visiting Moab. Five angles, five thoughts. In the first place, singing in the cave. I think I can prove that. Secondly, his brothers with him. Remember his brothers? With him. In the third place, a refuge himself. For many. In the fourth place, caring for his parents, he brings them to Moab. And in the fifth place, believing in God's providence. As you will see in this, some small words, that he believes in the providence of God, that nothing goes by chance. Congregation, two weeks ago, we have seen that David was a different David. He was that young man who slew the lion, right, and the bear, and used the sling. He was a hero and the captain, the general over the armies of Israel. But you know, he was also a liar. He was also playing the fool. And letting his saliva drip over his beard, remember? And we read in the last verse of the previous chapter that Achish said, Lo, ye see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that ye brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Please leave, go. And David escaped. So where did he go? Where did he go? 
he could not go home, was so dangerous, he had no place to go. And yet, he found a place, a place, a cave close to Bethlehem, the cave of Adelaide. But you know, he was always looking over his shoulder. He knew that King Saul was committed to kill him. Now, I read that piece in the Dutch newspaper this week about the crown princess of the Netherlands, Princess Amelia. She was supposed to study at the University of Amsterdam. And she had everything ready to go. And now there came a death threat for her. Some criminals are behind it and they threatened to kill her. So she can't go there. They cancel that. She should stay in the palace, 18 years old. So traumatic. I studied a little bit and if you get such a death threat that sits in your bones for a long time, that makes you disturbed for three weeks at least, and you feel that someone is targeting me. Well, David had it as well. Way more than that. So many times he had seen the javelin fly through the air. He was no wonder traumatized in his sense as well. And he was on the run. He was an outlaw. He was a fugitive. Looking over his shoulder and he found that cave. Huge cave. A natural cave. So they lived there for a while. They cooked and they slept, and they talked. What else? What did he do there? There are two Psalms in the Bible, 57 and 142, that begin with saying that that psalm was made in the cave. So we kind of know a little bit what's happening in the cave, when you listen to those Psalms 57 and 142. So let me read these, just a few verses, and just give you an idea of how David felt in the cave. To the chief musician, Al-Tashif, Miktam of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Be merciful, because I trust in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. I awake up my glory, awake psaltery and harp. I myself will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. See is trusting in the Lord and praying and singing, and he's talking about the harp, 
So I suppose there's also a, a musical instrument. So in that cave, it's, it's kind of dark, and it's maybe a little cold, and I don't know. They must have had a campfire at night or so, and there must have been quite something to be there. But they also sang and prayed. Or Psalm 142, Mashkil of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. A prayer when he was in the cave. Psalm 142, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no, no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. See, David was praying, and David was singing. I thought by myself, do I know other examples in the Bible? Of people in distress and suffering and in a prison and in a cave or and sing? Yes. Paul and Silas, right, in Philippi, having received such a church, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. It's quite a testimony to sing in the cave. How is that possible? But you feel targeted and threatened. You have no soft bed. And when it is such an affliction, but you know, often God's people do better in affliction and in the cave than when they're doing well. In the hospital, on the deathbed, could be better than in, the, in, in, in your own palace. So David could sing here in this cave of soul, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He was not at home, he was on the run, he was threatened, there was danger, but the Lord was with him. And that's all that counts, not. So Psalm 57 and 142 are also, also those divided psalms, as we have talked about before, those split psalms beginning with turmoil and suffering and ending in faith. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall come past me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Have you been in the cave? Have you been in affliction? Have you been on the run? And did you find your refuge in the cave? As you will have, as you will see, see, see later, 
to also take refuge into the Lord brings to the second one his brothers with him. Congregation, young people, children, do you remember David's brothers? Remember that meeting with Samuel the prophet? That all the brothers had to come and to pass by Samuel and he would say who the Lord had chosen to be king? So they all passed by. And the Lord said, no, no, no. And all the sons of Jesse had passed by. Samuel did not understand this. The Lord had told him that one of them had to be king. And the Lord said no to all of them. So there must be also another son who is not here yet. So Samuel asked, and his dad said, yeah, you know, this little one, he is uh, taking care of the sheep. Get in. So, David did not count in the family. David was neglected by his own father. And it must also have been a sore spot, no? And do you remember also that David was sent by his father to see how his brothers were doing in the army? He went there asking them how they were doing. And Eliab, his oldest brother, talked to him roughly. And Eliab, the elder's brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down? Why, with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride. I know your naughtiness, the naughtiness in your heart. For thou art come down that thou mightst see the battle. You're just curious. You don't really care. You know, that relationship between David and his brothers was not the greatest, was it? They didn't respect him. They verbally abused him. It was even anger from Eliah. And they put him down. And yet, now David is in the cave. What do we read? David therefore departed thence and came, escaped to the cave of Dullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down, thither to him. So his brothers came. Eliab and Sema and with the families, his father's house, and they, they came to him. So they, they connected to him. They must have realized that it was better to be with him than with Saul. 
the three oldest at least are in the army. And I don't see them in the army of Saul anymore. They come to David. And they restore the relationship. And they must have talked to one another again. See that? So the affliction, the problems in this life, yet have also a good consequence. They bring the family together again. It's possible. It is possible that brothers and sisters don't see each other eye to eye and don't even go to the birthday parties and don't even get a telephone call and can't care less about their siblings, older, younger, maybe even being abusive or you have felt abuse, you have taken, you have felt that you, you were not taken seriously. And then something happens and brings you together again. All things working together for good. So I'm sure David was happy with that, that he sized brothers in So we have to keep in mind that afflictions can have also this positive result. Do you know of other brothers in the Bible who are kind of at odds with one of them? Even sold one of them, right? And didn't care for Joseph and sold them to Egypt. What was the change when there was a famine? And the famine brought them together, together again. They came to Egypt. And he, he, he recognized them. And he connected again with them. But they had changed themselves as well, right? And so also here. They have also changed themselves. They must have also felt, felt sorry for what they had said in the past. But they are together again. And that must have been also a help a comfort for David that his brothers visited him. The Lord also uses those little things to also uphold and to comfort his children. Sometimes even by letting, by giving them people that understand them and are close to them again. 2 Corinthians 7. Nevertheless, the Apostle Paul writes, Nevertheless, God, that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. The coming of Titus comforted David. And so your visit to your brother, to your sister, can comfort them. So don't only think about yourself, that you feel hurt, that you feel the pain, that you feel abused. Do it the other way. And reach out to them. And comfort them. And that the difficulties in this life, and the death of a mother, and the death of a child, and the death of 
or some other afflictions may bring together. Just have that courage. Those, those brothers of David, they could have said, well, I'm not going back. To him, he, he would say, what? Please leave as soon as you can. I have no use here anymore. It's over. No, he didn't say that. He welcomed them. And so we also have to restore. To restore relationships. If you have not seen and tired for, for a while, open up and tell your own story and tell your own problems and be vulnerable yourself. It was the Lord's comfort, right? The Lord comforted Saul, I read David, and the Lord comforted Paul by the coming of Titus. This is also a part of what sanctification is about. What is sanctification again? Sanctification is not justification. Justification is forgiveness, right? The forgiveness of your sins, the forgiveness of your debt. The Lord makes it well and is gracious to you and blot all the, all the sins out. There's justification. He pronounces you just. But sanctification is something that happens in you. He changes the heart and he makes you thankful. And he makes you willing to walk in the ways of the Lord. And there's that thankfulness expressed in obedience to the law of the Lord. So I see in those men and I see in David some evidence of grace. And do we see the evidence of God's grace in you? Are you professing something, but you keep your distance with your brothers and sisters? You don't even want to talk to them anymore. The Lord gives you a new commandment that you love one another. First thought, a refuge himself. David took refuge to the cave, but more people came to him because he was their refuge. Verse 2. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. So do you see it happening? At first it was a small group. Maybe 10 or so. And then slowly in course of time that amount grew up to 400. And later in this book we see there were 600. And what type of people were they then? What does that mean? Discontent. What does it mean in debt? What does it mean in distress? Were they criminals? 
for the outlaws? Well, not necessarily, although they, have, they may have been rough people. But what I really think of is of 1 Samuel 8. I think that might give some light on what type of people they were. The people of Israel had no king, right? And they complained to Samuel, oh, we want a king. All oh, the other nation of the king, we like the king as well. And they were adamant, a king, a king, a king. And the Lord said, well, you will have a king. But you will know that you have a king as well. And he will take your manservants and your maidservants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep. He shall be his servants. And you shall cry out in that day because of your king, which he shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Saul was oppressive. Saul was a dictator. Saul charged too much. The taxes were quite high. And the people in Israel, many were discontent with the government. Many of them did not like that. They're in debt now. And they blamed Saul and his government. So they, they left the towns and they joined David. And there was some bitterness there, right? And, and discontentment. And some rebellious thoughts, I trust, as well. But they have chosen David as a captain, and he was able to kind of control him and to guide him. They must have felt attracted to this, to this man. They must have thought that David we trust. He will be a different king. He will be our captain. And he has conquered in many battles. They empathized. David was able to empathize with them. And they did not come to help him, but they took refuge unto him. They were looking for a safe place as well. And they found a safe place in the cave of Adullam. Now, I don't, I don't want to spiritualize this. I hate that. I hate letting the Bible say something else. But David is a type of Christ in the Bible. And I can't help but see a picture of the church here in the cave. And David, the Savior, the captain over them. Because also in different ways, people can be in distress and in debt and discontent and not happy without God in the world. Having no Savior, having no forgiveness, having no real purpose, having no real satisfaction, just missing something and not be able to help themselves. And then there is a 
cave. Rather, there is a David to flee unto where your death and your discontentment and your distress and to seek help, to seek help not only for the daily things in this life, but also seek help for your soul. Be the son of David has a cave. Oh, let me revert that. The son of David is a cave. Is a cave. What do you mean? Well, listen to a few psalms. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continue resort. Thus given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. God in Christ is that strong habitation to continue resort unto. Now sometimes at time and again to take refuge unto the cave of Adam and to seek him. Or Psalm 31, bow down thine ear to me, deliver me speedily, because thou be thou my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. Or Psalm 91, maybe that's for you. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. See, there is a place of refuge for all the distress and sin and death and all the concerns and that is in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is that strong habitation to continually resort and So I see, so to speak, David stand in the entrance of the cave. And some people are approaching him. Maybe you come in. Oh, of course, come in, come in. And he welcomes all those distressed and all those people in that, that they may come into the cave. I don't think he ever, ever said no. So, so today, the Lord Jesus standing, so to speak, at the entrance of the cave of Adelaide and asking if anyone is in debt and anyone is in distress and anyone is discontented with himself and seeks salvation. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfies not, hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight self in fatness. In Christ, the Savior, he was that David, right? He also was kind of a refuge. The foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. 
Yeah. So Christ is welcoming sinners also today to the cave of Adela, to himself. Brings to the next thought. Caring for his parents. You see there that his parents also came to the cave? Just see his father, who was not a perfect man at all, who left David the sheep, right? So that Dave must have felt that I, I, need, I need counseling for them, so to speak. And his mother, and he did not know what to do with them. Those elderly parents and in the cave, and it's so inconvenient, and he has to find a place for them. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you. Moab? Why is he taking refuge to Moab for his elderly people? Well, do you know David's father's name? Jesse, right? Okay. Who was Jesse's father? You know? Jesse's father was Obed. And who was Obed's father? Boaz. And who was Boaz's wife? Ruth. Where did she come from? From Moab. So David had Moabites blood in him. Right? From Ruth, the Moabites. So there's some connections with those people. And they were kind of friendly to each other. And he kind of knew that king of Moab. So he went thence to Mizpah, that is kind of a tower, a watchtower of Moab. And he said to the king, let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you. So again, I see a gentle David. He was not only welcoming the distressed and the people in debt and his brothers, he really thought things through and he was taking, he was taking action. And he initiated this. He went to Moab. He himself, he talked to the king and he wanted for his elderly parents the best. That's also biblical. I read in Genesis 47 also of Joseph again. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. So Joseph also had that tenderness in his heart for his imperfect father. 
Now, do you have parents yet? I do. My mother is still alive. So we have to remind ourselves, what can I do for them? What are my responsibilities? How can I help them? How can I provide for them? See? I thought of so of Luke 2, verse 51. And the Lord Jesus went down with them, with his parents, and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept these sayings in her heart. Or John 19 about the cross. Now they stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And to John he said, See thy mother. So the Lord Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, took the time to encourage John to take care of his dear mother. That is a few times in the Bible. So let us take that to heart. Did David feel comfortable in, this, in, 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 the, in the cave? Well, for him that's okay, but not for his parents. Also, um, evidence of God's grace. Let's go to the last thought. Believing in providence. Let us look at that last part of verse 3. Well, let me read the whole verse. Three, and David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. So, king of Moab, may my parents be with you, but how long? I don't know. But the Lord knows. He knows. And be with you till I know what God will do for me. David believed in God's promises. He believed in God's control. He believed in God's providence. He knew that. He knew it would be well. And therefore, he trusts the Lord that someday this will be over. We don't know what he had in mind, but he knows that someday the Lord will do something for him. He goes back to that promise that he received when he was anointed to be the king. He trusted in the Lord. He trusted in God's governance. He trusted in God's providence. Till I know. 
Providence. What is Providence? Lord's Day 10. What does thou mean by the providence of God? Oh, the Almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by His hand, He upholds and governs heaven, earth, and all creatures, so that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barriers, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, yea, and all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. See, that is what David believed in. And that's also what he wrote in those Psalms, right? He wrote about that in 52. He was trusting in the Lord's providence. He knew the Lord will be, will be with, him, with him and not leave him, not forsake him. You see it in the Psalms that the Lord is good to him. So Psalm 57 again. For my soul trusteth in thee, Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. It will be over someday. And then I will be king. So I will be patient and just wait for the Lord's time. I'm not going to hurry it. I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to kill Saul. I'm not putting pressure on the Lord's reign, I just wait for the Lord's time until it pleased the Lord to let me know what's next. See? What do you know about that? Do you also have that trust in Him? First place, to be reconciled with Him, but also to trust Him to follow him and to just leave things in his hands. You do what you have to do. So you welcome, David welcomes those people in the cave. And he welcomes his brothers. And he takes care of his parents. He is doing all those proper things. But he also lays things in the hands of the Almighty God. See? What a blessing. And then we also read that David was warned. He was warned by the prophet Gad. We don't know where the, where the prophet Gad comes from all of a sudden, but he is introduced here. In verse 4 and 5, he brought them before the king, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And the prophet God said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get the end to the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Herath. So we suppose that it was a few years in the cave. 
He's buried a few years in Moab. And now there's a prophet that came to David in the cave and said, you have to leave. From hindsight, because Saul has found out where he was residing. So he warned him to flee, to go as soon as possible, because Saul knew where he was. And this was the Lord's way, right? The Lord warned him. The Lord said, David, leave now by the mouth of his prophet. Leave. Leave now. Immediately. Why was that? Because God cared for this man. It was his child. But moreover, the Messiah was not born yet. And David could not be killed yet. He had to have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And the Lord Jesus had to be born out of him. And Satan did want to prevent that, right? Satan encouraged Herod to kill all the babies in Nazareth, in Bethlehem, I mean. But the Lord did not want that to happen. He spared his son, and he spared David so far. So do we believe, congregation, in that same providence? Has Christ become our cave, our refuge? Do we belong to those discontent ones who became content? And those one in debt, whose debt was taken away. And those who were bitter in soul and are now peacemakers. This David was a liar, was pretending to be insane. And yet he also was a child of God, and the Lord did not forget about him. He is the refuge. So may this Sir David become our refuge, but also be a refuge. Also be a refuge. David was not only hiding, he also helped others out. Those things go together. If you know something of the refuge you need, you also know something of the refuge other people need. I see still David in the opening of the cave, welcoming people. And so the Lord Jesus is welcoming sinners in death and distress to come unto him. Amen.